0: We are jumping into a new series, and uh, it's a four-week series. It's called The Fullness of God. And listen, if you're wondering, hey, what about Romans? We're going to jump back into Romans after this four-week series. We'll be headlong into Romans and finishing up that book after this. But for now, we're going to be talking about the fullness of God. So over the next several weeks, we're looking at one of Paul's most famous prayers. There's pastors who say this is their favorite prayer in the entire Bible and it's in Ephesians chapter 3. And so we're going to read it in just a second, but our theme is based off this prayer. And so let's let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. He says this, "For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit" in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know what the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Man, it's a powerful prayer. And my hope is, is that you, like Paul, would long for God to show up in your life. For God to move in your life, that you would be passionate and hungry to see what God could and would do. My hope is is that you would see in a new way more the fullness of God as we break this prayer down week after week. And you know what else my hope is? Is that we at Grace, that we would be a church who is known not because of grace but because of the people who are representatives at grace that they would see us that they would see us live out the gospel and represent the fullness of God his love his compassion his justice his care all, all the things and so man that that's my hope as we dive into this this whole prayer but before we jump in i want to give you some context if you're new to church there's a guy named Paul he was an apostle he, he literally met Jesus on, on, a, on a road to Damascus, on this place where he was on a horse, and he, he met Jesus, and it changed his life forever. He saw the light, so to speak. He actually did. But, but he, here's the thing. He was also a missionary. He went to go and take the message of Christ to everyone, and especially to non-Jews, Okay. Jews first, but Gentiles for sure. He was on a mission. And so he went to this place called Ephesus, and he showed up there. Ephesus was the epicenter of religion. Everybody who worshiped God knew Ephesus and went there because it was this great epicenter. Paul shows up, preaches the gospel, has this great fruit in Ephesus. He's there for like two years. He leaves Ephesus, and then he writes a letter to them the letter to the Ephesians, which is this book. And when he writes this letter, he's actually in prison. He's in chains. And he's writing to encourage them, to strengthen them, to say, hey, we're in this. But really, God is in this. And he he breaks the letter up in in the first three chapters and the next three. And here it is, chapters 1 through 3. He reminds them of their identity in Christ. And then chapters 4 through 6, man, he says, this is what you do in light of who you are in Christ. Another way of saying it is, the first three chapters is orthodoxy. And the second three chapters are orthopraxy. So, man, it's all about who is God? What has he done? What is our identity? That's orthodoxy and then orthopraxy. How do we, what do we do in light of that? How do we live this out? What do we do practically in our lives? Watch this. This prayer today is the bridge between the two. It's this prayer and doxology of who God is, asking, not only reminding ourselves of what he's done, but also what we should do in light of it. It's this beautiful prayer. I love it. So that's where we're headed. That's a little bit of context for you. And and what I want you to see is, is that this is more than just a prayer that gives us content to think about. Or, or man, we want to grow in our faith. You, you know what else it does? It shows us the depth of who God is. Let me give you an example. Over Thanksgiving break, uh, me and my family, we went to North Carolina in the mountains. We were hanging out, and it was middle of the afternoon. I had been praying and intentionally thinking about meeting with my two oldest daughters, 12 and 10 years old. Both of them are believers as far as we can tell. They've been baptized. They seem to love Jesus, okay? But they don't read their Bibles regularly, okay? No, they may read it with us. They may pray with us. They may read it every now and then, but they don't have a discipline of it. And so, man, I I just said, hey, sweethearts, I want to take a walk with you. So we go alongside this creek. It's beautiful. It sounds amazing. We're walking. We get past the creek. We get into this open field. And I just look at them and I say, hey, sweethearts, I really want to talk to you about something really important. And they go, okay, dad, you know, whatever. Sounds great, you know. And I go, listen, uh, how important is it that you do you think that we read our Bibles like regularly? And they go, I mean, I think it's important. I go, where do you get wisdom from? Like when you get into a problem, obviously you can come to mom, to dad, to your teacher, to your friends, to whatever, but where does ultimate wisdom come from? Where does direction come from? Where does apple, so I'm I'm talking all this out with them, and we finally come together and say, it's the Bible. It's God's revealed word to us. He directs us. He's the map. He's the guide. He's the light. He's everything that we need through his word, okay? And I go, so girls, I want to give you a challenge, And I'm literally, I thought about getting two students up here, but I literally get down on my knees, I level with them, and I just say, hey, this is really important to your dad. But I'm not just saying it's important to me. It's important for you. And it's important that you know God through his word and that you learn and that you grow. And this this means so much. If you could grasp this now, man, it'll change your life. And so we did like a huddle kind of style. We put our hands down in the middle, and we're like, all right, we're going to do it. Let's go! You know, so we get all excited. We're planning it out. We didn't start until the new year, right? But that's okay. That's what we—so last week we kicked it off, okay? But here's the reason why I'm telling you this. This next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them to do something. I'm going to ask them that when they read the passage they're reading—we've been getting up at 615 together, reading it together— When you read the passage, I want you to ask two questions. The first one is, what does this say about God? So as you read through this passage, okay, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of words. But what is this saying about God, who he is, his character? What can you learn about God? And the second question is, what should I do in light of that? What is this passage telling me to do? And so that's what we're going to be jumping into next week. And that's what I want to start off with as we jump into this prayer today. Not just, oh, this is a great prayer. We need to pray it. We need to get excited about Jesus. No, no, no. What does this say about the depth of who God is, about his character, about the fullness of God? That's what I want us to see throughout this whole entire passage. So let's jump in. What is Paul teaching us about God in the prayer today? We're going to be doing verses 14 to 16. 17. He says, for this reason. Okay, so there's a for this reason. So there's a reason why he's talking about this. He he's really summarizing. He, he says, for this reason in chapter three, verse one as well. He's summarizing chapter one and chapter two in Ephesians. And, and Paul comes in and says, Hey, you've been given spiritual blessings. Your salvation is by faith and not by works. Okay? And he's, he's writing them to say that the Jews and Gentiles, they should be united in Christ. So for this reason, I bow my knees, he says. It's really interesting. The, the norm of prayer in their time was standing. When they prayed, they would stand. Bowing was rare. It shows this reverence, this I'm not in control, you are. So for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. It's interesting. He does a play on words in the Greek. You can't see it in English. Okay? But here it is. Father, pater, and then from every family, patria. And patria is this idea of clan, people group, tribe. So what he's saying is, is, hey, I'm your father, you're my family, and we're connected. And then he says this, and on earth is named. So for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven. So spiritual families, powers, groups, that's, that's crazy language. And on earth is named. He's naming them. He has authority over them. He's claiming them. He's speaking on their behalf. Verse 16 that according, this is where we're going to really camp out, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So this is this prayer. And he says, man, here's the content, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, he may give you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This, you know what this says about God? That he is a God of abundance. That he doesn't lack in resources the way we do, or the way our company does, or the way our family does, or the way your next job will. There's no lack in God. His riches are abounding, the riches of his glory. He has infinite resources. And it's interesting, he ties the riches of his glory to be strengthened with what? With power. So my question for you is, if Paul is praying, hey, that we would see that he's a God of abundance and that we would be strengthened to have power, where are you looking for power outside of God? Think about that. It's so easy to think of power as, as what? Let's just name a couple. Money. Like how many of you, because you have money, or you have a good 401k, or you're stable at your job, that you feel powerful? That at the end of the day, man, if everything falls apart, I got my money, right? I've got some power. I've got some strength. I've got something to lean on. You know, there was somebody who faulted this in their life. There, his name, that we know him as the rich young ruler. He's in several of the Gospels. What happens? Jesus is walking around, this guy comes to him, and he says, hey, uh, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, do all these things. He's like, I've done all these things. He goes, okay, well, you're lacking one thing. Go sell all your possessions and come follow me. What happens? The guy leaves a little, he's sad. Why? Because he thinks his security and his power and his might is in his stuff. He got it all wrong. And there's so many other places that we do this, that, man, we want to be strengthened, but in the power of our own resources and not the God who has infinite resources. Think about this. I mean, I mean, it's not just money. Where do you draw power from? Where do you say, man, I'm in right standing with God because of this, or I can hold my head up high because of this in my life? Let me give you some examples. I stole these from somebody, and I can't remember who, okay? I tried to look it up again, but here we go. The first one. So these are false righteousness or false powers in our life that we, that we find security in. Some of these are really going to hit home. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up. First one. We'll lowball, okay? Job righteousness. I'm a hard worker, so God will reward me. At the end of the day, man, I've got this job and things Number two, family righteousness. Because my family is considered to be a good family, a holy family, or, or I'll say it like this, because I do things right as a parent, I'm more godly than parents who can't control their kids. Have you seen that family? Oh my gosh, I feel so good about myself. I've got security and strength and power in my life. We are killing it, Right? I know you aren't thinking it. I mean, I know you're thinking it. You're just not saying it, right? Or maybe you're going, man, this one isn't mine. <laughs> okay. It's all right. we got more to go through. Next one, theological righteousness. I have good theology. Man, I know the doctrines of God. I've studied systematic biblical theology. I know all the things. So God obviously prefers me over the guy who doesn't know anything or the girl that doesn't even know what she's talking about. Maybe she's read her Bible, but she doesn't have theology like me. I'm righteous. I have this power, this security that I can stand on because of that. Intellectual righteousness. Man, I'm better read, more articulate, more culturally savvy than others, which obviously makes me superior. Okay, I mean, maybe we don't have a lot, but I've got a brain and they don't. So we're good. Right. Like I feel secure because of that. All right, let's keep going. Get a little more practical. Schedule righteousness. Y'all are going, really? Uh, Wait, I am self-disciplined and rigorous in my time management, which obviously makes me more mature than the next person. Have you seen their life and their schedule? It's always a hot mess, but I've got it together. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty cut, right? Flexibility righteousness is almost a flip. In a world that's busy, man, I am flexible and relaxed. I've always made time for others. I'm relational, not task-driven. Are you kidding me? I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, what are you talking about? I care about people, right? Those extroverts out there, I hear you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, shame on those people. All right. So mercy, righteousness. Uh, This one can go deep for people. I care about the poor and disadvantaged the way everyone else should. How can you not? I feel good about myself because I care for those who are less than in my life. Legalistic righteousness. I don't drink. I don't watch R-rated movies. I don't cuss. Too many Christians just aren't concerned about holiness. Right? People are getting silent now. (laughs) I love it. All right. Financial, I'm still going, financial righteousness. We kind of talked about it. I manage money wisely and stay out of debt. Man, I'm debt free. We don't even know anything in our house. Man, I may live like a crazy person, but we are debt free, baby. I draw power and security and all the things from that right there. It's getting even quieter. We're still going. Political righteousness. If you really love God, you'll vote for my candidate, and there's no other way. Like, I'm going to find my security in that. I'm going to find my hope in that. And if you disagree, are you even a Christian? There's a couple of chuckles. All right, last one. Tolerance, righteousness. Man, I'm open minded. I'm charitable towards those who didn't, who don't agree with me. In fact, I mean, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that like Jesus? Like tolerating others. Some of you are going, no, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like where are you drawing your power, your strength? Can I give you one more that's not on the screen? Authentic righteousness. Man, I'm the real deal. I love Jesus. I'm passionate. I'm all these things, so I feel secure about who I am. All the other people aren't passionate, and so I'm authentic and they're fake. I'm going to cling to my security as long as I'm authentic, as long as I'm passionate, right? It's crazy. And here's the thing, as we go back to this text, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. There's this thing going on and it happens. And this, uh, this term was coined by somebody else, by Stephen Covey, I believe it was. But it's this idea of this mindset, this scarcity versus abundance mindset. We forget who God is. And when we forget about who God is, we start drawing from our own power and our own resources and our own righteousness. Why? Because we think resources are scarce. We wonder and are afraid, will God really show up? If I don't cling to my my box over here, if I don't cling to my tolerance, if I don't cling to my schedule, if I don't cling to my flexibility, if I don't cling to these things, then, man, what do I have? Who am I? No, 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 you cling to Christ. You cling to the one who has infinite resources, not yourself. That's what this prayer is showing us. We believe in a God who is abundant, He has abundant resources. So I want to give you these two mindsets. The scarcity mindset is this idea. No one will hire me, so I've got to do X. I will never kick this addiction, so I'm going to cling over here to this power, to this security. I can't change. They will never change. The world is out to get me. That's the scarcity mindset. There's not enough resources, so I'm going to gain everything and cling to everything that's mine. I'm going to draw my own power as opposed to an abundant mindset that is God-focused. I'm not talking about the business world abundant mindset. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the God who has infinite resources, the God who can change me, the God who can change them, the God who will provide for me, who will protect me to where I don't have to cling to my own self, to my own stuff. You know, a counselor, a counselor that Jean and I used to meet with, she said that the, the majority of fights among couples is over scarcity of resources. Isn't that interesting? Uh, it's the end of the day. Who's going to get the TV? Right? It's the end of the day. Who's going to take care of the kids? It's the end of the day. Who's going to put them down? It's the end of the I promise none of these are ours. Okay? <laughs> right? right? But you, you, you feel like you don't have the resources, you don't have the strength and the power, so you got to cling to what you can. No, 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 you're going, not me, I'm dying, right? As opposed to drawing our strength from the God who has infinite resources. If we can grasp the vastness of God's riches and His glory, man, we'll, we'll stop fighting for those things. We'll start serving, Right? We'll start considering, man, no, 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 I'm going to have an abundant mindset. It makes me think of the prayer in in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, when he says, give us this day our daily bread. You know what he's saying? Trust God every day for whatever you need. It's not just about food. Are you doing that? Where are you drawing your strength and your power? Is it on God or on yourself? All right, let's, let's go back to it. Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be, listen to this, strengthened with power through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your inner being. Verse 17. So that what? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Isn't that beautiful? I'm praying that you would see who God is, that he's a God of abundance, and that in that That the God of abundance, the God of all resources, the God who created the heavens and the earth, that he would strengthen you so that you would have power, right? What's this power? The ability to be with Jesus. It's really interesting. And and that you would be strengthened in your inner being. So it's his riches, not ours. I want you to think about this. I pray this prayer all the time. For people who are sick, they come to me and say, hey, Clint, would you pray for me? I'm really struggling. Would you pray for me? I've got this situation. I don't know what to do. Would you pray for me? You know what? I pray over and over. And many of you have prayed this prayer over. God, would you you meet them and strengthen them in their inner man? That's what I normally say, or inner being. In the text, it says inner being. There's two at a most basic level. There's an inner and an outer being our outside, our body, and then our inner being, being our heart, mind, and soul. It represents the foundation or the core of who we are as people. So think about this prayer. He's praying that they would be strengthened in their inner being, their very foundation. If you think about a house, if it's got all these beautiful fixtures, all this wonderful paint, it's got all the trim that just looks awesome. You walk in man, man, this is an awesome house, but the foundation is bad. Guess what? The fixtures don't matter. One day it's going to fall. And so when I'm praying for somebody who's struggling, who's sick, who's hurting, I'm praying that their inner person, their inner being would be strengthened. You know why? Because the core of who they are is going to take them through whatever they face, whether it's sickness, a death of a a family member, whether it's a trial, whether it's financial, whatever it is, whatever struggle comes their way, they are strengthened in their inner being to walk by faith with the God of all resources. It's amazing. It's amazing. We we believe in a God who is an abundant God. But then he says, man, what are we praying? We're praying that they would be strengthened in their inner being so they would have power. Why? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know what I find fascinating about this? He's writing it to believers. Jesus is in us. He, He spells that out real clear in Colossians. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what is he saying? He's saying there is an experience that you, that I'm praying over you, that you would experience Christ, the fullness of him in your hearts, that you would experience God in a new way, in a fresh way, in a way that's going to lift you up and strengthen you and give you power. You see that? How many of you are looking for this in all the wrong places? And he's saying, no, no, no. It's not your possessions. It's not your righteousness. It's Christ himself. That he may dwell in your heart and that he may encourage you that whatever you face, you're going to have hope, joy, and peace in all the things. I heard it, I heard it recently. Somebody, and I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's, here's the idea. It's not what am I going to do, it's what has he assigned to me. Many of us are grasping for this assignment that God never signed us up for, and instead we're surrendering to him daily, saying, provide me the next step. Whether I get the job, whether I land the thing, or whatever happens in my life, I'm gonna trust you, and you're gonna be the God of abundance.